District of Conservation is sponsored by the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, better known as CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thanks for listening to the program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. Keeping in line with the Virginia theme, I think, for this week, I have three interesting updates, one you've heard before since it's a perennial annual event, and then two more recent interesting updates I think you ought to know if you live here in Virginia or you frequent Virginia or fish here or hunt here. And pardon the horsiness, I am recovering from a slight cold from all this back-to-back travel or maybe going to D.C., so I'm trying to kill this cold, so pardon my horsiness and my weird-sounding voice this week. But anyway, three updates. I'm going to talk briefly about a roadkill bill, which will kind of liberalize how you can actually pick up roadkill and you don't need some special criteria to do so. More on that shortly. I'm going to talk about a kind of incentive program for commercial fishermen to harvest invasive blue catfish. I wonder if this will expand even to recreation and maybe DWR will encourage some sort of bounty program, kind of like they do with predators, predator management. Um, the, the agency itself does not, but maybe if we have predator contests here in Virginia, need to revisit with that, um, kind of something similar to that, create a program perhaps to encourage even, you know, recreationists to do their part to help cull blue catfish, but more on that as well. And then we're going to top it off with the third annual Virginia Elk Lottery updates, if there's any changes, what the hunting season looks like this year, and talk about some of the successes and why you ought to enter. I'm going to be entering again, maybe third time's the charm, but I'm competing with, we're competing with here in Virginia, 50,000 other applicants, but a very Virginia-centric update for you all, roundup for you all today. Let's go. This roadkill bill that I think should be on your radar This is House Bill 1025 relating to deer, bear, turkey, or elk claiming after struck by motor vehicle. This is introduced by Tony O. Wilt, Delegate Tony O. Wilt, I believe a Republican. And if this were to pass, and it did, it actually got a 98 to 0 vote. There are 100 members, so probably two abstentions. So what it'll do if it makes its way through the Senate... It allows any deer, bear, turkey, or elk that appears to have been killed in a collision with a motor vehicle to be claimed and awarded to any person. 
Current law allows a deer or bear to only be claimed by and awarded to the driver of the motor vehicle who collides with such an animal. According to one of the local Richmond news outlets, it's ABC 8 or WRIC, they have some more expansion into the bill, which passed in the House of Delegates February 6th. And they say that if it were to become law, it would allow someone other than a driver to claim the animal. So you, let's say, drive by dead deer or other wildlife mentioned, aforementioned wildlife animal species here. Um, you would still be required to contact authorities to verify the animal and give permission before taking it. However, the new bill says that it will no longer apply to only bear and deer, including turkey and elk as well, and it would not be dependent on hunting seasons, interestingly enough. And during the review of the bill, Delegate Wilt said, currently, if nobody takes the animal, it falls onto Virginia Department of Transportation. During a markup of the bill, I believe, during the House Natural Resources Subcommittee, he also is quoted as saying, there are certain times of the year when those things can stack up. And they go to the landfill because that is the only thing they have to do with them. And again, Madam Chair, we are talking about a fresh animal. It happens a lot, not everywhere, but in certain regions of the state. I've seen so many roadkill just in my periphery and just in my vicinity here in North Virginia. I live on the southern end of Fairfax County. I drive frequently on 95, you know, northbound, southbound, go to Leesburg, Loudoun County, Prince William, Fauquier. I go all over Northern Virginia. I go, you know, GW Parkway. GW Parkway is National Park Service land, so this wouldn't apply here. I believe, I think it's anything outside of federal jurisdiction, but anything following outside the confines of GW Parkway um, and other federally protected lands here because they are far more restrictive. But let's say you're driving 95 or Highway 1 or... 286 or some other you know notable highway or byway or street and you see an animal and you report it you can take it especially if it's been freshly killed i think that would actually be good because how much wanton waste would you have that and i mean if it goes to the landfill what a what a waste of meat gosh if you're concerned about it you know let's say the quality of the meat you could always send it to a processor have a processor look it over assess it and give it to Hunters for the Hungry if you're not certain about it. But if you're confident and you would be comfortable eating fresh roadkill, and you know as long as it's not badly damaged, the organs are okay, the, the most delectable parts of the meat are fine, I'd say this is a good idea. I like this because I don't want to see you know fresh roadkill go to waste. Why not take some under these appropriate conditions? Of course, very simple. You report it. Make sure it's been reported. Um, but now that you don't have to you know, get it during hunting season. And now that it's expanded to other species, this seems pretty reasonable. So now that the House of Delegates is controlled by Democrats, nevertheless, it had unanimous support, including two abstentions. So I wonder if it's going to have a similar type of appeal in the state Senate and then go to Governor Youngkin's desk to be signed into law. This would make my dad especially happy because he sees so much roadkill and he's like, can we take it? And I say, no, not currently. I don't know the rules behind it. But now that this law would potentially clarify it, he would likely take some home and prepare it. I would be comfortable, too, especially if you can assess the damage and see that it's not, you know, eaten by birds of prey or anything like that. And it's, you know, largely intact and safe to eat. But again, you always want to make sure that the meat is OK. Do your own assessment. If you're unsure, you can talk to people in processing meat processors. If you have any questions, take it to them. 
as well. Always be certain or donate it to Hunters for the Hungry. We have a big program here in Virginia. I think most states do. So let's actually have, you know, conservation practices and amend laws that make it harder to do this. So yeah, don't throw this away. Smart idea. I could be supportive of this. This next story really interests me as an angler who's lived here for the better part of over a decade and knows about kind of invasive blue catfish and always has heard the kind of draw of how good of table fare they are and how problematic they are being an invasive species. Governor Yunkin and his kind of conservation agenda doesn't really get much notice, but I get updates routinely from the governor's office and I've talked to some of his natural resources folks and secretaries and, you know, deputy secretaries and such. And this is a little outside of natural resources. I believe this has more to do with agriculture, but I would love to see, like I said earlier, like DWR get on board this and maybe incentivize recreationists, obviously not violating the Lacey Act of 1900, but somehow incentivizing, you know, recreationists to harvest maybe the largest catfish, um, get some sort of bounty for it, kind of similar like predator contests, but can be done, you know, in a way that it's feasible and practical and have some confines and some rules and and restrictions and reasonable, you know, aims with it. But Governor Youngkin announced through the inaugural funding of his Blue Catfish Processing, Flash Freezing, and Infrastructure Grant Program that this reimbursable grant is going to support the expansion, modernization of equipment and storage space with a new blast freezer in, what is the farm company, Sea Farms, Inc., in the company's existing processing facility in Gloucester County. And once this is complete, Sea Farms will purchase more blue catfish from local watermen, which supports economic growth and removes this invasive species from Virginia waterways. So this grant, which is housed by the Virginia Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, we've had Agriculture Secretary of Virginia, Matthew Lohr, on the program, and we touched upon this a little bit during our interview. This is basically a $250,000 grant to political subdivisions to support blue catfish processing, flash freezing, and infrastructure projects. They would be made on a competitive basis based on the strength of a candidate's application. And according to this AFID infrastructure program application format, um, grant priority will be awarded and given to the following project types. Projects that create processing, flash freezing, infrastructure capacity, and proximity to small-scale blue catfish watermen. Processing facilities that are primarily local-owned, including packaging, freezing, and labeling facilities that are used to process blue catfish. Projects that involve or incorporate existing seafood processors and businesses. And projects located in the localities of the rural Coastal Virginia Community Enhancement Authority or in the Planning District 23. And so this is awarded on a yearly basis and they say that blue catfish are an invasive species documented all of virginia's tributaries to the chesapeake bay they eat shad herring striped bass menhaden clams and blue crabs and the concern is that they pose a detrimental impact on the population of these aforementioned species so we love invasive species management blue catfish is great table fare i've read stories in local news outlets about how chefs at these really top-notch, you know, Michelin star restaurants are working with watermen to source blue catfish because it's really good table fare. A lot of people in the mid-Atlantic, for some odd reason, scoff at eating blue catfish because there's this perception that they're bottom feeders and they just eat this disgusting muck from the bottom of riverbeds and, and tributaries and such. But 
if this Virginia transplant from California is telling you it's okay to eat catfish, they're delicious, you shouldn't be worried so much. But it's a delicacy, this blue catfish. And because they're invasive, they need to be managed. So we love applauding programs like this. You know, obviously good stewardship of, of resources, government spending. That's not at a cost to taxpayers and could help solve this problem. But like I said, I would love to see a similar program, maybe a bounty program from GWR to encourage the recreationists to get on board this. It doesn't mean you're going to like, I said, create a market game system, but like award for the largest catfish caught in some of these tributaries adjacent to the Chesapeake Bay. That'd be kind of good to see too, right? We'd love to see, you know, recreationists get on the action and do their part to help curb invasive species. I don't know who's listening from the Youngkin administration, but that would be kind of cool to see that just a suggestion out there. But at least on the commercial side, this could be a good, you know, way to ameliorate this concern because this is a big problem and this could satisfy many needs of addressing this invasive species problem and then also boosting businesses to watermen and to restaurants and all that chain that connects, you know, from from the catch to the table. And let's round out today's short roundtable on all things Virginia about the latest updates from Virginia about one of my favorite topics, Virginia elk and our third annual hunt. So the 2024-2025 elk season, hunting season, as you all know, in the elk management zone, which is in three counties in southwestern Virginia, the heart of coal country, you can catch up on this kind of dynamic story, interesting story. It's very personal to me. I've, I've visited the region. I love seeing elk back on the landscape here in Virginia, even as a transplant, but I care very deeply about this story. It's it's something I've been tracking for a while, and I wrote a piece in the Virginia Sportsman in 2029. I think it was published in their winter edition, 2020 print edition. Very cool. Still have it today in my possession, but there's a print version if you want to read it about kind of the history of the region, how the elk are kind of like a hopeful entity, you know, kind of bringing back some life to the region after so much destabilization from regulations, economic upswings and downturns, natural disasters, you know, kind of displacement from the workforce because, like I said, of regulations and and just kind of the dynamics at play there. And who are the people who were responsible for elk reintroduction efforts? A multi-pronged effort. We we talk about the private stakeholders who were are involved. Leon Boyd, for instance, comes to mind. Great conservationist in Virginia. If you don't know who he is, you are going to learn about him through elk reintroduction efforts. The DWR was very heavily involved, RMEF, uh, but Leon and others on the ground were very integral in elk reintroduction efforts. So the hunting season is going to be from October 12th to October 18th this year, and there are five antlered elk licenses available through a lottery. And the lottery opened up on February 1st. I got the email. I hope you did too. And it'll close on March 30th, 2024. So your likelihood of winning does not really depend upon when you enter because it's a random draw and you have to purchase it online for Virginia residents like me or you, if you live in Virginia, it's $15 to apply for this non-refundable fee to get the basic elk tag and for Out of state residents, it's $20. So residents will then, or winners rather, of the elk hunting lottery will then have to purchase a special elk hunting license. If you're a Virginia resident, you only pay $40. That's a great deal. Or for out of state, $400 for not living here. That's pretty reasonable too, because I've seen comparable out of state licenses for elk. This is not too bad for an elk lottery, non-resident 
elk lottery license. And it's non-transferable to another individual, and it's randomized. And if you win, you will know by May 30th. And you can go online to check the progress of that. They usually do a big public event for the elk drawing, and I've caught that for the last two years, have not won, hoping this year could be different. But I'm competing with, or all of us are competing with, you know, 50,000 some odd different applicants from within Virginia largely and a couple from out of state. And there is a sixth license, I believe, that you can get through one of the RMEF chapters if it is according to last year. I don't think there's anything different this year. Last year, I believe half a million dollars was generated to go back to conservation efforts. So a lot of money is raised and supported by this event. And a lot of people who tell you, oh my gosh, how dare you, you know, kill a majestic elk. It's, it's horrible. It's wanton waste. It's, you don't need to do this. It's so unnecessary. But elk hunting is conservation because all these monies generated will go back to Pittman Robertson to then be dispersed back to Virginia to support and continue this cycle of Elk conservation efforts, which does include, according to the elk management plan, it did always include a lottery hunt system for now. The population had to have reached 400 individuals. That's what I recall from my reporting into this for the lottery hunt to occur. I'm not sure what the population is now of this Virginia segment, but it's going to be a while before we have this over-the-counter, and I think a lot of states are changing from over-the-counter to a lottery system or a draw because of just changes to the elk populations, especially out west. But I think it's going to be in a lottery system for a long time here in Virginia until we can sustain healthier numbers. Even states with more established populations like Kentucky and Pennsylvania, they still have a lottery for this. So it's going to be a while until we have a more readily available, I don't know about over-the-counter, but maybe a readily available or more allotment or disbursement of tags beyond the five that are going to be offered through the regular lottery and then that special sixth one. So it's going to probably be a couple years till we have till 10 or 15 tags or 20. But so far it's been successful. A lot of people have applauded the efforts. I think more and more people are seeing that hunting is conservation through this very project and hunting season that we've had. It's a real success story. And like I said, I encourage you to read my article on this and go back to listen to some episodes about what I call the Virginia's comeback kid for this very reason. If you get a chance to go to Grundy, Buchanan, um, that, like I said, that elk management zone, it's worth the drive. It's a majestic, unique place. Like the people are such heartwarming, nice salt of the earth folks who will welcome you with open arms. It's a place that'll give you a reality check. If you are used to, you know, your luxury comforts, it's a little different than what you're used to here in Nova or Richmond or the beach area or anywhere comparable to, you know, a cell corridor, for instance, but I'm talking here in Virginia. It's a very different place, but the people are great. They have done a lot to boost elk numbers and it's just such a success story. Really? even in the greater scheme of things about elk reintroduction efforts in the Eastern United States. So apply for the lottery. I wish you all success and I hope I can be successful too. Like I said, I know it's a slim chance for all of us applying to get it, but I'm hoping this will be my year. And if not, I'm going to hope some succeeding year is going to be my year, but I always apply. It's a reasonable deal since I'm a Virginia resident and may the best hunter win in terms of getting a license here. 
Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify or wherever podcasts are played. Your feedback will help us reach more people. And I love to know what is on your mind after each episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat or a guest announcement because that is our way of updating all of you listeners. And we have just hit a thousand followers on Instagram for the podcast account. Thank you very much. And if you have any guest suggestions or topics you want to hear on the show, I'm all ears. I would love to hear your feedback there. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.